Crunch time. First it was a draw that felt like a win, then a draw that felt like a loss. This time, well, that loss felt like a loss. But never fear as the Brisbane Football Review is back for another week with our three regulars, James, Scott and Adam, to break down, overanalyze and discuss this past week in football. We're here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network and as always you can get in contact through us uh, with email, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com, Facebook Raw Review, Twitter at BNE Football, and obviously the podcast, which you're listening to through one of our five podcast platforms. We'll run through those a little bit later. All right, so I can guess by the fact that all three of us are still sitting around the table in my lounge room that none of us had a big win yesterday. Am I right, Adam? I had a win, but nothing uh, substantial. Not enough to not show up today. No. (laughs) Scott? I followed Adam's advice. Okay, so we're fine. <laughs> Good news is, though, Adam's uh, Melbourne Cup tips actually turned out better than his A-League tips. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys, so obviously it was a late one Saturday night. How are we feeling? Yeah. Yeah? It's about that? Oh, we'll get into it in a minute. It wasn't great, was it? Not really, no. <laughs> oh, look, I think if you um, if you look at the Raw season over the first three weeks, I think the words the good, the bad and the ugly come to mind because, unfortunately, that performance in um, Perth was uh, ugly. The good, the bad, and the ugly, also known as the tagline of this show. Ah. <laughs> Work out for yourself who's who. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that line in as Scott looks at me with disgust. But let's get I'm not into. Going to go there on that. Let's going to go. Let's go into the A League recap. I'm sorry, it's been a very long last couple of days for me for yes. obvious reasons. Are you okay, I, by the way? I'm not going to get into my day <laughs> job right now. <laughs> that, the less said about that, the better. Let's get into the A-League recap. Uh, the Raw went down in Perth 2-1 to Perth Glory because the game was, of course, in Perth. And all I said at the start of the run sheet was, well, that was depressing, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Next, Should we move on to the next segment? Or? I think we need to just get into our uh, general thoughts on the game to start off with. And for me, what really stood out was I felt like 2-1 was actually pretty flattering for the way that the Raw played for the majority of that game. I think you're right. I think... They were largely outplayed in the first half in particular. second half was a little more even, maybe, but the first half, there was a very clear difference between the two sides, and Perth looked really good. With their, their way they were linking up, they're playing out from the back, it looked very much like a side who you can see have a real plan. With the Raw, I just don't... I didn't understand For me, much of what yeah. was happening in the game, to be honest. It was a real issue of confidence. Like, Perth had it, and it seemed like the Raw just weren't there at the get-go. I think I got a different verb to describe it, and that was frustrating. Like It was, um, just watching the game, it was a very, very frustrating watch. It was not the same, definitely not the same side that, you know, in week one, which was sort of attacking going forward. I, I don't know how much of that was, you know, largely the Perth game plan, the way they defend, the way they, they set up, but um, it was it was very, very difficult. And I think for me... Um, well, it pretty much encapsulated the game was that a ramp pass from Thomas Christensen that ended up in the first row, you know, went backwards basically, and it was just it was just a frustrating night all round. It was you a game. What word did you? Oh mate, well, let's go. Let's go for Sh- shambles. Is the one I'd come up with. But... Yeah, it was a game where the like the Raw's big guns really failed to fire. And, like what stood out for me was the fact that you remember when Bessart Barisha was with the Raw and you saw him getting frustrated where he'd be dropping you know sixty meters back from the last defender to try and get on the ball. And I noticed Adam Taggart was starting to do that as well. I think like he was marshaled pretty effectively against Wellington. And this was the second week in a row where it seemed like he was trying to really force his way into this game and just was really battling. Yeah. He didn't have much of an opportunity with the way that Perth really restricted the space in that middle third. But I think the raw didn't do themselves much favor, but there wasn't much space being created in the front. All all the play was coming narrow into the middle and it was easy for the Perth to, to um, condense the space. There wasn't much overlapping width from the Raw in this game, I didn't so, think. So I just thought there wasn't... I didn't understand the attacking strategy from the Raw in this game. I think for the second week running, they faced three at the back and did not yeah. know... did not have a clue on how to counter it. Yep. Like, everything was in the middle. It was, you know, it was you know, the usual game plan, you know, bomb, bomb down the 
down the wing, cross it in, yep. Adam Taggart, and he's getting he's getting hit, you know, two men, three almost three. It's just if that's even if the cross is even getting to yeah. to him. It was well, getting I got stats on crosses later, but Lopez being further forward as well didn't help because he was the one bringing the ball forward into the final third in the first two weeks. This time he was playing as a ten nominally. That so didn't work either. Well, he wasn't actually adding that extra man the way that he would have no. if he was running from that defensive midfield yeah. position. We'll actually talk about that now. So, uh, Stephen Moore didn't actually make the trip to Perth. Uh, there was some saying online that uh, he was left behind because he was injured. Yeah, um, Aloisi came out in the um, paper today saying that he hopes he's back fit this week. So, I think yep. it's a slight hamstring injury. injury. Or something. something to that effect, yeah. yeah. Either way, Stephen Moore was out and... Like, just having that whole, like, out-and-out out number 10 really did seem to impact them. I kind of get the strategy. It's something we talked about at the start of the season as well, where they would be able to chop and change, and it seems like they were trying to go for a little bit more of a defensive-minded midfield. Uh, you know my thoughts on the way the midfield is structured with the 4-2-3-1, so I'm not going to go through all that again, but in this game, I think you have to have a specialist player in that position. And as good as Alex Lopez is, he's not a number 10. He's a deeper line player pushing forward into that space. So it just didn't work. Also uh, missing from the starting eleven this week was Tobias Mickelson, who was dropped to the bench. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting that they brought. Maybe it was sort of you know a horses of courses thing bringing Enrique into the starting team, but um, and Enrique did actually have a pretty good record against Perth yeah, as well. He did. So. He's, he's much better coming off the bench. So we saw that in this game as well. He just got brings more energy when he comes off the bench. He brings that energy. I think we've seen that for the last what four years in Brisbane, where we all love Enrique, but he is not a starting player. No. That's just. That's yeah. the way it comes across to me, and I'm sure to you guys as well. I think we can add Matt McKay to that category as well after Saturday night. Mm. Well, he did actually get it, make his 250th appearance, so well done, McKay. But, yeah, I think just something overall seemed quite off for, yeah. for the whole game. And Perth just seemed like a much quicker team. They did. Actually, we have to put the defending as well, because the defending was absolutely shambles. It really was. I mean, remember the save from Jamie Young in the first five minutes that everyone's giving him a double credit save. for? yeah. No one's talking about the defending for that. Jason Davidson had about 10 minutes of space to put that cross in. There was absolutely no pressure on him to put that cross in. And then Andy Kerr had not one free header in the six-yard box, but two. Two free headers in the six-yard box. That's just that's just average defending. And also on the... It's a great save by Jamie Young, by the way. Oh, yeah. Superb oh, reflex, yeah. it's what we know him to be, but... He deserves all the plaudits yeah. he's getting for that. The defending leading up to it was horrific. And But I think it was uh, Andy Keogh's goal. The, uh, Perth's first goal... Yep. Sorry, I'm genuinely just mentally fried up. <laughs> yeah, it was in about the 15th minute or so. Yeah, I think that was the one where I saw just... They were letting they were dropping too too deep. Like, as a whole, that defensive unit, there was way too much space space allowed to Perth's runners. I got a different take on that. I think because Perth were playing out from the back, the rule were pushing onto them, and there was space in behind the midfield. And that's the space that Conomedes ran into. The, he ran in behind the two raw defensive midfielders, and there was just an overload there. And that's where the goal came from. And look, we've got also to give... not great marking in the middle yeah. again from the centre backs, but that's where the goal came from. And we've got to give credit where it's due. Like Chris Conomedes and Jason Davidson, that combination was superb. And for me, Conomedes is too good to be in the A League. Yeah. Oh, look, I think I think yeah, at times, yeah, they just paid way too much respect to him, uh, to Chris Conomedes, and he, yeah, he was easily the best player for for Perth, and he, everything went through him. Now we know we know Andy Keogh is a predatory striker. He's going to put put away his chances, and um, look, you know. They sort of reap what they sow almost. And they, they, yeah. Mm. I, it, on the plus side, it did actually make me feel better about my prediction for Perth to finish third this season. But <laughs> personal you know, notes aside, it was just a case of one team was at the races to start off with and in the end, that was all that they could do. Well, if Perth keep playing like that, they might not finish third. It might be higher. That's true. That, that was, they looked the best team so far over the first three weeks of the season. Slightly better than Sydney. But they're the two best teams at the moment. And Perth will probably feel like the grand final should be played in Perth no matter what. <laughs> anyway, sorry, jokes aside, I do want to talk about the way the Raw closed the game out because they did start to show a little bit when the likes of Dane Ingham came on and Tobias Nicholson, where they, they did start to try and attack with a little bit more pace. Dagasino as well made a difference, having a bit Dagasino more pace the in the front third as well. Yeah. They had a bit of an impact, you're right. Yes. But the goal did come from a, a sloppy bit of play from Perth as well. It's worth pointing out a turnover from Kilkenny and some panic defending from Marcella. Because to your point, outside outside of that panic, I don't think the Raw created anything in this game. That's yeah. about the only chance I can recall for the Raw. There was a lot, yeah, but that's thing, like, at least late, there was a lot more urgency. It's absolutely, you know, almost zero comfort right yeah. now, but we at least, it was a nice reminder that they actually can attack with some vigour and urgency when they absolutely yeah. need to, and it would just be nice to see that 
translated into a 90-minute performance. That's the key, because John Elwood is absolutely right when he was crucifying the team for their slow start. Continually, in in the post-game press conference on Fox, and in the press conference, and everything since then, he's been really strong on the way they started the game. It wasn't good enough, and he's right. For the first three weeks now, I mean, they copped an early goal against the Mariners, which cost them two points in round one. They were slow starting against Wellington, and it cost them again on Saturday night. They have to... it is costing them. Well, Adam, if you were John Aloisi, would you be frustrated with the way that, you know, the fact with the fact that he probably feels quite confident in the squad, but they just aren't performing up to scratch Absol- right now? Absolutely, you should be frustrated. You know, and I think now he's done a feel the heat because obviously, you know, it's only been three weeks, and almost rightfully so, the fans were on two points out of nine to start with, with sort of all the promise this side's got. You know, and look, real realistically, they they should be they should have at least six. You know, there was enough opportunities. You know, obviously, they should have won the Mariners game. You know, you could probably argue that a bit more polished finishing, they probably could have eked out a win against Wellington. But, uh, like, this game was always going to be tough, going to Perth, you know, and obviously with the build-up that Perth have had, you know, they're, they're, they're obviously better than what they were last season. But, you know, like I said, he, rightfully so, he's, he's frustrated. But it's probably also frustrating because the heat's going to be about to be applied on him. Yep. So, two points on that. First of all, yeah, they're better than last season. But so is the rest of the league. Mm. Like even mm. you know the teams that finished ninth and tenth last tenth last year, Wellington and the Mariners have both started significantly better than the way they were set up last well, year. Right. Until until uh, and two yeah. going back to last year. Look, I think we can all agree that. No, if I'm being consistent though, football is a results-based game. I was saying that last year yeah. when the Raw might not have been playing the prettiest football, but were grinding out win after draw after win and whatnot. You mean so, at the back end of the season? Yeah, the back end yeah. of last season. And, you know, there was still criticism about the way they were playing, but it was generating results. Right now, this team just needs results. Like, I'm not ready to push the panic button yet because, as we all know, it is a very long season coming up. But it is worth noting that there is a lot to still... There is a lot still in front of this team and a lot of room for improvement needed. Can we get a panic button for the table here? I'll see what I can cool. find at the shops. I think week. if we can get a panic button and when it's time to press it, we can... <laughs> I did see one that's, that goes yes, dear, but I think that's more <laughs> applicable to my home life. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so Scott, you had some stats that you wanted to run through. I will save them for later. We'll save them for later? Yep. Okay. All right, well, I think that's about it for segment one then. Yeah. Yeah? Cool. We've run through, gone through that segment on the run sheet. We'll be back after this to talk about the W League after this. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. Round three recap, heading into round four. It's James, Scott and Adam, but we're going to take a break from the A-League right now and talk about the W-League side. Sound good? Yeah, you mentioned results-based industry. They get results. That's it. Uh, when I was starting up the run sheet on Saturday, I you know, opened up this segment with, please let them do better than the boys. And they did. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> it was a 1-0 win thanks to new regular goal threat, Carson Pickett. Yes. Always like a goal-scoring left-back. <laughs> Nothing Great bonus, yeah, exactly. It was a wonderful free kick to win the game, though, wasn't it, Adam? It was. Look, um, yeah, she actually had. Uh, it's uh, she scored a goal in similar fashion um, in the corresponding game at Marconi Stadium last year. So it must be deja vu almost for Carson Pickett. But uh, two goals in two games, and she's uh, in the uh, Golden Boot Absolutely. race. Absolutely, Pickett for Golden Boot. Why not? Yeah. Well, we were wondering who was going to emerge as the main goal scorer for the Raw this year. I just think Carson Pickett might have been a little bit further <laughs> down the line, to be totally honest. All right, so uh, we'll go back to the start. Some of the uh, changes. Mackenzie Arnold has been announced on a two-year deal, two-year I believe, deal, yep. now. And she came in for Ellie Chappell. Chappell? Yep. yep. Okay. I completely we'll go with bl- that. I completely yeah. blanked on what we agreed it was last year. And <laughs> Caitlin Torpy came in as well. Uh, yep. Off the bench, though, India Paige Riley, who we've mentioned a few times in the NPLW, uh, made a debut in the second half, becoming player number 83 for the Raw in the W League. So, congratulations on that debut. So it was a very good debut, actually, mm. off the bench. And Caitlin Thorpe actually played a different role last year. We saw her play a lot of right fullback. So that, on Sunday, Saturday, it was uh, Sunday, Becky Punch she played left wing. Do we have to go? Which was very interesting. Do we have to go back about the versatility in this Raw side, though? No, we don't. It yeah. worked really well, though, because it allowed Carson Pickett, new regular goal scorer, to get forward a lot more. So, I know she scored from a set piece, but she's got Ford a lot as well. Put some good crosses like, in. So. It also looks like that there um, must be sort of having some faith in uh, Natalie Tatham being a um, in the defensive back back four. So, which which bear which was it was a surprise uh, to see Caitlin Torpy so far forward, but she's obviously capable of it. Certainly. 
It wasn't all smooth sailing, though. The Wanderers got off to a pretty good start as well and really had the roar under pressure. Yeah, they came out with much more defensive intensity than they showed against Sydney FC in their first game. They pushed the roar quite high up the field, and it caused a lot of mistakes for the roar in passing the ball out from the back. And unfortunately for the Wanderers, they just couldn't capitalise on it. A few crosses into that Mackenzie Arnold claimed a couple of shots from outside the box that went over the bar, but from their point of view, they'd be happy with their start and the defensive intensity. Now they've just got to work out how to take their chances. Well, how did Sydney FC go scoring goals last year? Yeah, they were pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... It was an improvement from the Wanderers on their first up performance anyway. Yeah, so you guys were watching this a little bit more than I was because it was on the My Football app, which I yep. still actually haven't signed up to. But, um... I can recommend it. It is good. <laughs> yeah. When the sound works. <laughs> well, that too. Uh, did you end up getting the sound working, by no. the way? You didn't? No. So I missed out on Brett and Speed and uh, Sarah Walsh, unfortunately. So if it doesn't work uh, next time, can we get Adam recording his own commentary for the game? Because I th- feel like that would be a big money maker for us. I think that'd be great. You should do that anyway. Next next game, that's what you're going to do. The seven second button. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, but the goal from Carson Pickett that obviously like, that sounded like it really swung the momentum in favour of the Raw. Yeah, it did. After like the Raw started to get more chances in the game, they could have actually had another goal right on half time. Was just past the post. And in the second half, they had a few really good chances as well. So it did swing the momentum of the game. And then. Like, talk us through the second half. Which team really dominated there? Oh, the Wanderers were pushing, but they weren't. Again, they weren't creating a lot. It's kind of like the rule with the A League side. It's good getting forward and then nothing in the final third for them of any substance. The one chance they had actually came from a corner when there's a bit of a scramble inside the box and the ball almost squirmed over the line and McKenzie was there to clear it literally right on the goal line. So that's about it. They didn't have many really clear cut chances in the game that I could see. Certainly. So I'm just trying to run through now because obviously normally we would try and preview next weekend's W League match. Unfortunately, there isn't a W League match to uh, do that. We talk about the ridiculous 4 all game down in Canberra. Yeah, let's do that. It's absurd. I didn't see any of it, mind you. Just when a team's up 4-1 with 10 minutes to go and up and have a player advantage, you don't expect it to get back to 4 all, even if Sam Kerr's on the opposition. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked like one of those games that you just very... Like, you watch it and just not sure what the hell happened. Yeah. Oh, also as well, just uh, sort of a highlight from the weekend of Dubs League rounds, Molina Ayers is bombed from... Yes. From the, she, she, oh, she's got was, quite a... That was ridiculous. Quite a habit of um, scoring. I remember the goal, the goal shot yeah. Suncorp, which was very similar. So I think uh, that should be a warning to the to the whole W League, just do not give her space 35 yards out. Yes, can score from distance. That's right. Now, Saturday, uh, the reason for there being no W League games this weekend, is obviously the International Series against Chile. Yes. We did see Caitlin Ford on uh, Have You Been Paying Attention on Monday night. Yes, it was very good, actually. Yeah. Uh, so th- There should be a sponsorship there, surely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, and since the W League isn't sponsored by Hyundai... Exactly. What are you, what are you waiting for? That's it. All right, so uh, Matildas have got two games against Chile coming up this weekend. Saturday, 2.30 Brisbane time mm-hmm. at... Pe- Panther Stadium in Penrith, yep. so that'll actually lead in quite nicely into the A-League as well, so exactly. it can should, yeah. make for a big day. Yeah. Uh, coming up from a raw perspective, though, you've got Mackenzie Arnold, uh, the goalkeeper, not sure how much of a role she's actually going to be playing that, to be honest. They might play one game each, Yeah, her and Lydia Williams have kind of split the duties in uh, these games in the past. Katrina Gorey is there, obviously Claire Polkinghorne will be around, <laughs> and I think she may be ma- being made available to the media as well So okay. at some point soon. So Keep an eye on that. Certainly, so expect some um, uh, comments to come out of that. But that's actually it, just looking at the squad. Yeah, well, um, Hayley Razza would be in there, but she's Obviously. only just back. I think she was training yesterday for the first time after her back injury, so hopefully she can get back on the field soon. Yeah, I can guarantee she's going to be working hard to get back yeah. from that, so fingers crossed. You might be able to see Hayley Razzo train on Saturday at the Open Training Session at the Cavroad High School. I think so, it's yeah. your Cav- neck of the woods, you should know it. Yeah, it's just, well, Cavendish Road High School, because I'm yeah. pretty sure that's all that there is at a Cav Road. <laughs> school. Am I correct on that? I'm just asking my wife who's actually lived the in this area pretty much, her, yeah, pretty much her whole life. There's a, there is no Cav Road State School. It's just Cav Road State Higher, correct? Okay. Casey did... Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> With Katrina Gorey. It's yeah. over there. Yeah. Other way, actually. <laughs> 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 it's, that's not great for the people listening, by the way. All the yeah. finger pointing. It's a wonderful audio. <laughs> audio yeah. visual. Adam pointed towards the city. It's the other way. Yeah. That's all we're going to say. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, they're training at Cav Road Dan, on, Dan on Saturday Files. afternoon. I can I can safely say, though, game two is also very, very far south down <laughs> in Newcastle. Which, Which way? 
<laughs> South. Nah. That's all I'm going. That's North Scott. I know. <laughs> I'm following on the joke. Anyway, go on. <laughs> all right, so it's at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle, 6.30pm Brisbane time kickoff. And, yeah, they're going to be a couple of entertaining games, I think. Yeah, important games leading up to the World Cup as well. This team has a tremendous chance of doing something in France next year, and the more game time they get before then, the better. Absolutely. All right, I think that's about it. going to be it for segment two. We'll be back after this to go into our new segment. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's time for segment three with our news segment. But before we do that, we'll get through a couple of quick plugs. Obviously, as we mentioned in the first part, you can email us, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com if you've got any uh, topics you want us to cover, questions or comments about the show. I especially love hearing how awesome my hosting is. And obviously, you can also get in touch with us on Facebook. Uh, still the Raw Review. Twitter is at BNE Football. And the podcast is available on Wooshka, uh, iTunes, uh, Radio Public, Stitcher, and TuneIn. There we go. I actually yeah. remembered this week. And you could do with some positive messages this week, couldn't you? I really could. <laughs> I don't want to get into my day job, but... <laughs> no, don't. Any positive messages would be much appreciated right now. <laughs> I have actually just had the chance to refill in between recording these segments, so I've got my coffee. Try and pick the exact moment coming up where the caffeine kicks in, because it will be very, very obvious. <laughs> right now, uh, we're going to go on to some of our top news stories from the past week, and we're going to start off with a Twitter post from Ned Zellich, which uh, came about after mo- uh, Saturday night's game. It just feels like Monday. But uh, he posted, 11.05 Saturday night, Aloisi Brothers under pressure in Brisbane. Results not good enough. Maybe time for Raw fans to have a civilised, respectful word to them. Pressure equals good. Now, civilised and respectful word, that clearly can't happen on social media, so you might have to see if you can run into them getting coffee or something. Yeah. But... That's, that, they're not words associated with soccer Twitter. Or just social media in general, That's trust true. me. So, hmm. I wanted to focus more on that first, on those first two points, though. Aloisi Brothers under pressure in Brisbane. Results not good enough. Now... Last year, it was December before we really started to think that maybe there was a bit of reason to the question of, is John Aloisi under pressure for his job? But right now, for me, yes. Like they've, He's lost some of the excuses that he had in the past few years where, obviously, the working conditions were not ideal, like in the first couple of seasons, having to operate out of the coffee shop at one of the unis and everything. Well, we mentioned in the season preview show, there's no more excuses. It's the team he wants, the setup he wants. The team is set up to succeed. Absolutely, we Adam. There's no, there's very few excuses left. Okay, now, Adam. Absolutely agree. It's like, so, yeah, no more excuses. Everything has gone pretty much to plan um, in the off season. So, other than other than maybe sort of the team not gelling. Like I said, but that, that's, that's not an excuse. Yeah. That, that's a, he he yeah. needs to find a way. So, so the one thing I meant to add on the end of that is, in fairness, he hasn't made any excuses either. No. He's not out there making excuses either, in fairness. No, he's owning the issues that yeah. are going on around this team right now. And look, I know there are still some questioning his coaching ability. Like, I know a few Melbourne City slash Heart fans that, you know, do actually... Like, they do hold resentment from his tenure there, but I still feel like there is... Plenty, like there is still a massive turnaround to come here, and I don't think it's necessarily impossible with Aloisi. Like, just right now, he is under much more pressure than he's been in the past. I, Aside from maybe after I was the Champions just League. I preface I said, you know, uh, maybe those Melbourne C slash Melbourne Heart fans need to look at their own backyard this week. I was week just about because, to say that. Because you, th- you thought the Raw were bad, Melbourne City were even worse. So, that, that for stars, but notwithstanding that. Um, yeah, look, you know, inevitably there's always going to be questions, you know, without winning anything major as a coach. Mm. Until he does that, there's always going to be questions on his ability. But, you know, he's, he's gotten, he seems to have gotten close, but has nothing really to show for it. See, yeah. People keep quoting the Mike Mulvey example of him being sacked after six games. I just think that's such an outlier. You can't look at that. I don't even think we're close to this eventuating right now. It's not, It's not that drastic right now. There's still plenty of time to turn this around and... The players are there to turn around, but something has to change. Yes. The, the attack in the front third is not clicking, and it hasn't been clicking all preseason. That's been the problem: not enough goals, not enough chances created. I mean, right now, James, there we go. Here are those stats yes. we teased in segment yeah. one. So they shoot on t- target twenty-eight point six percent of the time, worst in the league. What's what's the number yeah. on that though? Is it 
I dev two out of I don't seven maybe. Ask Optostat. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> I, yeah. I wanted to try and give it it's some in context. The, it's in there yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the shots to goals that a seven percent conversion rate. That's ninth. That only the Jets are worse. So it's just not being converted in the front third. That's the big thing. They're not. They haven't created any chances in the first half of the game. And the crossing, which I think you mentioned in the first segment, Adam, put in 87 crosses the first three games. That's 29 a game. That's the most in the competition. 18% are being completed. So not even one out of five is being completed. It's breaking down in the front third, and that's where something needs to be tweaked and changed, I think. I don't mind the idea of putting the ball, like putting the ball into the box, but I, maybe they do need to try and work it in through the middle a little yeah. bit more than they perhaps were initially. I think you have to tweak it as well. I mentioned, if you're going to play Dagson, why wouldn't you maybe play him more as a two-striker thing, the way Sydney play? Because Sydney play Brosk as a almost second striker half the time. And D'Agostino seems much, much more likable yeah. than Alex Brosk. Oh, of course he is. <laughs> of course he is. Yeah. He's Alex Brosk. I mean, almost anyone's more likable than Alex Brosk. Matt Simon? I said almost. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to get this. Key word in the sentence being that, almost. That, to me, like, st- going back to the yeah. original point... How tweak, a, small, a few small tweaks in the front third, and this is and yeah. this could be a completely different team. Because if you look, go back and look at his press conference on from Saturday, and I think it's on the A League and the Fox Sports website. Yeah. Like the frustration is there. Like I don't think there's anything about him. I don't think you can ever accuse him of not caring. Yeah. I think right now he's just getting frustrated that things clearly aren't going to plan. But this is also a great chance for him to prove himself as a manager, where if he is able to find a way to turn things around and at least. Get them on some sort of run going forward. Like it doesn't have to be a win the next twenty four games or whatever, but be nice. Like just pick up a win or two, get something going in the right direction. Because look, I think we can all agree he wasn't the most popular hire when he came about in twenty fifteen. Yeah, I think off field yeah. circumstances played a part in that. But you're right. Yeah, yeah. I I think there are some fans that still operate from that belief that he should never have gotten the job in the first place. And look, it is easy to forget, I suppose, especially now in this very, I suppose, fickle nature of sports fans, where, you know, what have you done for me lately? And a lot of people just remember that what was a pretty poor season last year, and they forget that, you know, his first season he was 90 minutes away from a Premier's plate, 90 minutes away from a Grand Final, and his second season he was 90 minutes away from a Grand Final as well. He's also the longest tenured raw coach now, as well. People may not actually realise that. Yeah. Just based on this is his year four, he's actually coached more games for the world than anybody else. But I do agree with Zelich's point in general, which is quite simply the pressure is rising. Yeah. Oh, absolutely it is. And um like I said, it's and it's it's up to it's up to him now to as you as you said, you know, he needs to sort of find what and I actually think that, you know, if they can get through this ninety minutes coming up, you know, on Saturday. Coming up in, in segment four. Yep. <laughs> That with the international break coming up, it might be an opportunity to sort of, you know, to maybe write some wrongs, maybe, no, I'd say write some wrongs, because at the end of the day... It's, make some adjustments. Make some adjustments, you know, work on a few things. You know, it's, it's an opportunity that, you know, that in the past, you know, at the moment, it's just week after week after week, you know, and if things aren't going away, it just seems to compound. Maybe having an international break coming up actually might actually be a blessing. So, yeah. they've, got, they've got to get through Saturday, but... Um, yeah, I think that, that, you know, if they're going to make some positive steps, you know, maybe the international break might be it. And I think just right now, they honestly, it's a time thing. Like, we've seen Alex Lopez come in and play. Has he played every minute this season? I'm pretty he sure. got substituted late in the first game. Okay, so he's played near enough yeah. to 270 minutes of football. But how long was he with the Raw in preseason? Like, he only came in a month or so beforehand. When was the last preseason game, the that football was... Brisbane game? Because it was about a week th- before that he was announced. Because he was he was unveiled at halftime of that game. I he think was that there. was was that the River Fire night as well. So that that was, I think it was River yeah, it was, Fire yeah. night. Yes. So that was late September. So clearly he's still finding his way in in the team, and like he's still been pretty good so far. And I yeah, I just feel like. You know, the combination between him and Bortiak and Mickelson, obviously, we hope is going to continue to improve as well. But there's just, there is a lot. I don't think there's anyone right now, top to bottom, you know, from Aloisi to even the squad players that haven't seen the field yet, that look at that look at the start and think, okay, they need to do better. It's just right now, with all the changes that have taken place with the squad in the off season, if something needs to change, it is going to be the coach because that's going to be the easiest move the other to make. Thing is were, a lot of these players were in pre-season training for a long time as well. I mean, you mentioned Lopez got here late. He's the only one. All yeah. the rest have been here a long time to get some of these things ironed out. So 
I think you're right. Just a couple of small tweaks in the front third, perhaps. Maybe a slight change in the formation in the front third, and I think you can make things happen. But that is actually the one thing that I'm quite excited about going forward, is the fact that there is a lot of versatility in this squad, and I would like to see them display a little bit of versatility going forward. Like you were saying, yep. maybe play D'Agostino as a second striker, yep. or maybe even try and bring in... Like, I'd love to see Joe Coletti get a little bit of a run, but the problem is, for who? Yeah. Like, that's... Well, Stefan Mork's not available. We can get to this in the next segment if you want, but he might be able to slot into that midfield somewhere. You never know. Yeah, look, I just think um, you're right. It's, you know, at the moment, three games in, you know, it's it's not it's not the end of the world. Like I said, especially with there's not really a team out there that's streaking away already. So, you know, it's it may be just about, you know, trying things, that the combinations or play formations that they've never sort of, um, sort of thought about and just... I just think, because at the moment, it sounded like that John Alwissi went into the season with a sort of most a set 11. We saw that, that you know, he didn't change from the first two games. And, and, and he probably would have gone third game if Stefan Mork was, was available. Yeah. I just think you know, maybe the combinations that, he, that were preconceived may not be working out. So you yeah. change it up, you know, play, play different players elsewhere. You know, it's like versatility, I think, is the key word. And if we have seen... So- you know, uh, from last year as well, where they did have that late season run, yeah. we have actually seen the ability to change, if not the formation, then at the very least the approach to the play. I would like to see a change in the formation. I know we talked about playing a dual strike thing. If you're going to play three midfielders, why wouldn't you go back to the midfield combinations that worked in the past with one one sitting midfielder and then two ahead of them? Because that's where the Raw have always played their best football. We think about Pardlew screening with two midfielders ahead of him, be it Nichols, Madoka, Mackay, two of the three. Bratton with Miller and Matt Mackay ahead of him. That's the sort of time the Royal played their best football. If you're going to play three midfields, why wouldn't we go back to something like that? I think Christensen can screen the midfield fine on his own and have Lopez and Mork ahead of him or Lopez and Mackay or whatever combination you want. And we do know that like Thomas Christensen is more than capable of handling that screening role. Like, I think he can. Obviously, Saturday night wasn't ideal, but he's too good a player to have two bad games in a row. And exactly. I feel like he's probably in for a big turnaround this weekend. I think at the end of the day... Um, I'm not hit pressing the panic button, but I'm asking where it is. Yeah, I'd like right. to know where it is because if it goes on a few more weeks longer, you might need to press the panic button. But right now, it's just it's a bit slightly too soon for that. But even so, I still feel like you're not going to see any changes coming in the immediate future. No. Anything probably w- won't happen until the calendar reads 2019 yeah. for me, and that means that there is still plenty of time for this side to turn it around. And truthfully, you win two games in a row, you're right back in the mix. Well, that's second. Look, and we look, we saw glimpses. I know, I know Central Coast, I think the form started reading out that they're, you know, after two solid efforts, you know, they, they were pretty horrible on um, on Sunday. So that form may not be holding up as well, but like, that's the thing is that, you know, if, if Taker buries a chance, they could have been 5, 6, 1, and everyone would have started week 1, you know, sort of Feeling great and all that, sort, yeah. of a, sort of a frustrating one-all draw. And I think this side is capable of really putting some goals away once it starts clicking. I think that's the one thing that all fans should be should be sort of hoping for, is that when they do put together, it will be, it'll be exciting. We've just got to be patient. Absolutely. All right. I'm just going to leave it with one thing. For me right now, it is not a question of talent. It's just a case of execution. And when they get themselves uh, on the right page... They'll be fine. All right. So now we're going to move on to story number two after 13 minutes of discussion <laughs> on story one. And you were worried we wouldn't have enough for this new segment with only two stories. Yeah, well, oh, three. Three, sorry. All right. Uh, quickly, National Youth League squad has been announced. Uh, goalkeepers Nathan Foster, Macklin Freak, and Lachlan Hunter. Obviously, Macklin Freak will probably be the mm-hmm. primary option there. Defenders Tyson Martin, Hassan Ramazani. Sorry, I really should have read this before today. Jeremy Saint, Kai Truen, Emlyn Wellsmore. Bryce Baff- uh, midfielders, Bryce Bafford, Jay Barnett, Oliver Duncan, Zach Duncan, Brandon McMorrow, and Ryan O'Connor. Oliver Duncan's uh, obviously Scott's favourite player in the youth league. I think you earmarked off, him. Yep. You, I was you, told you, he was comparable to a certain player. It wasn't my comparison. No, but now it's being stuck with <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, now, I want to make this very clear. Uh, we're going to go through the attackers. There is an Aloisi there. It is not Ross. It is not John. It is not Steve. It's Christian Aloisi, which I believe is Ross's son. Yes. So, I'm, as much as we love getting those comments every single youth league game oh. when there's Aloisi on the bench, 
I think this year we're just going to start responding, yes, John's decided to pull on the boots again. Yeah, that's it. From now on, it's John on the bench. Wow, um, dollar for every coin I've heard. We, <laughs> we wouldn't have needed to worry about the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Christian Aloisi will be joined by Leighton Brooks, Daniel Leck, Cooper McCormack, Mercer Muradovic, and Jai Oaks. So, notable losses from the NPL season. You've got Ramadik Bari, Daniel Driver, Adam Sawyer, and Nathan Yoon. Looking at this squad, so there are two names that really jump out as players that could potentially use this as a springboard into the A-League side. You've got Daniel Leck, the winger, who we saw feature a little bit last year, including that infamous day at Grange Thistle where he was pulled off at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, Macklin Freak might see a bit of time as a backup goalkeeper at some point. I think you can also include Bryce Baffert as a midfield option. He was one they brought in on a scholarship contract, highly rated player from the AIS before when that shut down. So I think he's another one. And another player who's on an A-League contract now, but will play prim- primarily in this team to start with, is Aaron Ridden. Yep. He's another one you can probably include in this group who will use this as a springboard. And Dylan Wenzel-Halls. Dylan Wenzel-Halls yeah. is another one as well. Yeah, if you want to see Dylan Wenzel-Halls, get to the youth league games because that's where he's going to be working with the raw the most, I would say, in the near future. As much as we all want to see him, you know, jump into the A-League and do really well, he's going to have to go through the youth league first. That's that's the second highest, the second highest comment, which if I had dollar for. (laughs) Just by the way, he could be very useful in the A-League at the moment. A bit of pace in the front would be a nice compliment to what they have, but you're right, it's probably going to be in the National Youth League. Yeah, that's it. And I've got no problem with them bringing him along slowly still. Like, let him get his feet in the youth league, and then when that ends after, what, 30 minutes of game uh, time? Next week, yep. And not 30 minutes of game time for... Yeah, it starts this week in the grand finals next week. So. That's all the uh, FFA can afford, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, round one, the Roar in Perth, though. Kickoff is 12.30pm Queensland time at Dorian Gardens, so... See, this is where you should use your Perth joke about playing at home all the time because of the complaints they have about this competition. <laughs> you should use that joke for this competition. Yeah, they're just going to do a Perth round. I'm just... Um, yeah, like I said, whether we'll even be able to get... Um, updates. Last year, I know we were, it was very, very unconventional the way we were getting updates through. So, yeah. I just wasn't had... it someone at the ground was messaging? It was. It was. It was. Um, I forget. A player's who... parent. We won't name who. Yeah. Yeah. If you know the youth team, you know who. Probably know who it would be. And yeah. we do appreciate all of that. And if anyone yeah. from Far Post Perth is listening, <laughs> our DFS Fan Network colleagues, please send the updates through as well, because yeah. we'd like to see, yeah. know how the game went. <laughs> yes, we do. Certainly. All right, and we're going to finish off with a quick uh, congratulations. The W League side have been nominated for a couple of awards at the Q Sport well, Awards. So they should. Absolutely. Yes. The W League team has been nominated for Team of the Year, and Coach Mel Andretta has been nominated for, shockingly, Coach of the Year. So congratulations to them. All Do we the know best. Tough category in that, women, Do we know in that who Team of the up Year. Uh, uh, Mel's up against. In I'm the, uh, not sure who Mel is up against, but it can't be Wayne Bennett. No, I would say Mel's a very good chance of getting the. Coaches of the year, that's maybe a biased opinion, but the team of the year is a tough one. I think the um, Broncos NRLW team will be taking that out as premiers in their inaugural year. And it's harsh on the netball. fire in the netball as well. Yeah. Did they really know? I don't think they were nominated. That's what I was about oh, to say. I okay. I, that, was, that was very harsh on them not to be nominated. If they are nominated, congratulations, but when I was scrolling through it yesterday, I didn't notice we them. We probably so. should have done our research. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a first time for this show. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, congratulations to both of them. Yes, and nominations. best of luck for the awards on November 18th. I'm sure we'll have an update from that when that comes through on our social pages. Otherwise, what do you say we take a break and come back for segment four? No, let's talk about Aloisi some more. All right, you go. I'm going <laughs> to... All right, Scott, you keep talking and Adam and I are going to take a break. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review post-Melbourne Cup edition. Obviously, James Scott and Adam here with you. I think now it's tonight with how long we've been recording for. So let's get into segment four and preview the weekend's game against the Western Sydney Wanderers as we all commiserate over our losses yesterday. No, we won. What are you talking about? I followed Adam's advice, I'm telling you. (laughs) Yeah, Adam guaranteed winner, right? Oh, guaranteed. But... Oh, I saw I guaranteed was my tipping was better than than um than my league tipping. And right, I guarantee well, following Adam's advice is better than me picking a horse outside, so I go with Adam's advice. Yeah. Or you just do what I do and pick the one with your lucky number. No, I go with Adam's advice. It's more likely to win. <laughs> All right. And if it goes wrong, I don't know who to blame. It's much easier. <laughs> yeah, it's much easier to throw someone else under the bus. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Let's get into second four. Uh, Raw against Western Sydney Wanderers. 23 times they've played. 1-8, lost 10, drawn 5. I actually think the Wanderers might be one of the few teams the Raw have a losing record overall against. Yeah, they do. 
it comes back to that first season of the Wanderers when they when the Wanderers won four games. Out when of the four. Wanderers were good and the Raw were less good. Yes, and mm. they won four out of four. Yeah. So, so it turned around the W League, but yeah, I think in the A League, you're right. It's just one of the few teams the Raw have a losing record against. Well, there we go. All right, uh, this game though. Not a lot of stadium history because it's being played at Glen Willow Stadium in Mudgee. So it's the 37th different venue the Roar have played at. It is. Yeah. I challenge anyone to name all 37. Suncorp. And, <laughs> no, that would be horrendous if yeah. I was going through that for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> I think it would be uh, Mike Francesa-esque. Look up that video if you don't believe me. <laughs> We're not getting into that territory with him. No, definitely not. Uh, if he's number one, it's not a great... Indication no. of New York sports radio, but anyway. Yes, I'm not going to list all 40-something college Speaking goals. of apps that don't work. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I don't know what I can add to that. <laughs> Move on. The reason that we're kind of procrastinating right now, though, is because there aren't a lot of notes to come, yeah. go through for this game right now, because... Well, let's face it, we don't really know exactly what to make of this right now. We've obviously seen the good, the bad, and the ugly from the Raw so far. What are we going to get this weekend, can Scott? We, can we go back to the good? I'd like that it. That was fun. Could... I like that in round one. No, it's hard to say because the Wanderers also turned a corner on Saturday away to Wellington Phoenix with a really good away performance, picking up their first win of the season. So from their perspective, they'll be looking to continue that momentum on now. For the Raw, it's, you're right, get back to what, get back to, um, try and get back to what happened in round one. And turn the turn the momentum themselves around because they need it. We talked about in the last segment. A couple of results can turn things around, and this is a great opportunity to do that heading into the international break. Yeah, if you're just going fullest and latest results, then obviously the Wanderers are going yeah. to be very, very uh, can see, seen as very, very strong opponents. But go back to the way they performed in the derby, and it yeah. wasn't great. They're and, a very hot and cold team. You're right. And you wonder if the Roar are actually capable of putting together that hot performance and maybe taking advantage of a Wanderers side that. Maybe feeling a little bit overconfident. I'll tell you what the Raw cannot do, and that's allow um, Alexander Baum-Johan to run around like um, Chris Economides did, or otherwise Oral Riera is going to have an absolute field day. So, look, they, they need to tighten up that defence, both from in the midfield sort of going in and also defensively, because, you know, if they, if they let uh, let him run loose, um, yeah, it's not going to be a pretty da- afternoon in Mudgee. And the one thing that we do have going from is I, the Wanderers midfield with the two holding midfielders, the combinations they have in there are not the greatest, and the Raw have obviously got a tremendous amount of options in there. So I think that's an area where the Raw can really look to hurt the Wanderers with Lopez in that area with Christensen, maybe Mackay or Coletti, depending on what they want to do, maybe Mork if he's fit. There's a lot of players in there that the Raw can use that can capitalise on that matchup. So I think it's a good one for the Raw. I I'm kind of curious because I'm not sure how I can see the Raw approaching this game the same as they did in Perth, but You'd hope not. I'm also not sure I want them to just go go in all guns blazing. Like they're going to still need to show quite a bit of defensive restraint here, because as we just said, like if Bom Johan does have a free reign, then it's going to be a very long day yeah. for pretty much everyone wearing. I don't want to say orange. I'm going to guess grey. It'll be the grey kit. You'd hope. Yes. So by the way, just back to segment one. Why didn't they wear the home kit, the orange kit, and that? I don't Maybe. know. But... Are they supposed to wear the orange kit wherever possible? I don't know. I don't mind the grey one. Wear the orange where possible. Fair enough. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a complete tangent. <laughs> yeah, I think we're full of those tangents this yeah. afternoon. So, anyway, Adam, how would you deploy the midfield? Um, look, I'd, I'd stick with what we're going with. Um, so would that be obviously Christensen? All, yeah, uh, Christensen, Christensen, Lopez, and probably Mackay. Um, look, it all depends on whether Stephen Walker is available. I think that's going to, and we won't know that until team team news comes out, whether he gets ruled out or whether they'll try and give him as much time as possible, whether he travels with the team down to Mudgee. So that's, until we know his fate, I, I think it's going to be interesting. So I think that will shape the midfield about whether Stephen Walker is available or not. It also depends on the, the um, way you want to play. Because I definitely think Christensen and um, Lopez will start Team 100%. The other one, it could be D'Agostino playing in a more advanced role. It could be, if it's another like, proper midfielder, you'd take Coletti or Mackay. It just really depends on how the rule want to, or how John Aloisi wants to set up the team in this game. Because I could see him going both ways. Can I just say, it is so much more fun saying, wow, I don't actually know who's going to start because they've got so many options, mm. compared to last year where it was, all right, who's fit and able, or at the very <laughs> least able? It's one, it's one positive that, you know, 
that Royal virtually have a, a full squad to pick from, and you can, and like I said, you can play it in different um, different ways. You know, there, there are options to change it up. Um, yeah, but I think for for mine, um, seven more availability is the key to it all. Full squad minus Brett Holman, of course. Yes, is Andrew. And, it would be very helpful right now, actually, with with his long his, shooting ability yeah. as well. What I'm actually curious about, though, I wouldn't mind seeing them try to play with maybe a little bit more of a. Four, like maybe a four-four-two style formation, yeah. but with that sort of diamond midfield we used to see with um, Liverpool under Brendan Rodgers. I know Brendan Rodgers isn't exactly a managerial icon, but the way I kind of see it, you could have Christensen sitting deep, you have Lopez and Mackay there, uh, there as well, and then have uh, Mork or Bortiak sitting as the 10, and then Bortiak or D'Agostino as like a second striker with Adam Taggart. Well, it's just... The teams that have done well this year, a lot of them, have, some of the teams have actually changed to two strikers. Victory have got two strikers now. Um, Sydney have played with two strikers for a while. Wellington have played two strikers as well, and even Perth to a certain extent have played Kianese up alongside um, alongside Keo to a certain extent. So teams have tried this two up front, going back to it, which is interesting. Yeah, it just seems like that. Way- like so, last year a lot of teams did play four two three one or four three three, and this year. Teams seem to be changing it up a bit more, which is good. Well, that's been the, sort of the in vogue formation for the last, I suppose, decade since Barcelona really took over. But I don't, I, I don't mind seeing the four four two still come out when you need it to. And when I say Bortiak is yeah. a second striker, that's assuming that Mork is healthy and you just yeah. have to find a spot for him there. And you just say, Eric, run around, do your thing, and just go. My only concern for, for that formation, though, is maybe it's not going to give you the width that you might want. The two things I'd say is Bojack's probably the world's best player in front third, correct? Yes. I would be building the front third around him. Put him in the best place for him to succeed and the players around him, along with Taggart as well, they're the two you want to build he around. Seem, he seems to have been on the left, he seems to be on the right. I think it may be time for him to play in the middle for a while, especially if, if Stefan Mork isn't right to go, because, um, look, I think, and that's there, there's, there's sort of little tweaks that you may need to do, just just to see, okay, let's see how this is going, because you can probably play... You know, Bortiak in the middle, you know, you Mickles on one side, and then you've got a plethora of options. You know, even if you want to go really out there, you know, maybe sort of, you know, Dane Ingham on, on the um, on the left wing or, some, or, or on the right wing and, you know, switch up Mickelson. Like, it's that sort, that sort of tweaking that, you know, at this stage, you never know if you don't try it. And look, the comparisons are going to be inevitable because of the way that Bortiak came in yeah. and replaced tried to replace Thomas Broich and done quite a good job of that so far as well I should add but I kind of feel like if you're going to like when the Raw were at their best it was the seasons when Broich was able to really you know just say all right I'm starting on the left but 20 minutes in if something wasn't working hey I'm going over to the right and I remember like Brandon Borello would go over to the left or even Broich would sit in the middle and you'd have McLaren going there it's just I wonder if you need to give Bortiak just as much flexibility to do what he can well, that's what really happened in round one. He was all over the place. He was making runs in behind. Taggart was making runs in behind. That's what I want to get back to with the Raw. Start making those runs in behind because that's where you can start to stretch defences. Because at the moment, everyone seems to want to come short. Want to come short, like move inside and congest the space. Well, people need to start making runs the other way. That's yeah. just my take on it. And if Stefan Mork does play, that is something that really does fit into his wheelhouse as well, where... Now, we saw it, I remember that FFA Cup game against Melbourne City where he was hitting passes 50 metres and they were just right on the dot. Yeah, in that game as well, the two wingers were getting forward making runs in behind as well. That's, and in fairness, Sam's point earlier, Perth and Wellington really did stack the defence with three at the back, or three central defenders, so I don't think Western Sydney are going to bring that approach. So there might, think, more, there might be a bit more space, there might be a bit more space available for the Raw to make those runs this week. Yeah, no, I, I just think, yeah, I don't think it's Marcus Babel's way to play. I think he will, he'll play, he'll play, you know, two centre-backs. Um, Is he back on the bench, by the way? He, yeah, there was he, only one game. Yeah, one game, Ben. So, so if, you, if you are going to the stadium in Mudgee, feel free to check it out, because I've heard his touchline antics are awesome. <laughs> yeah, those Germans, geez, they love it. But, um, yeah, look, and, and I think as well, I think that it needs to be... I don't think Wellington really fired off much of a shot against that the defence, whereas Sydney Stephen really, Taylor did try. He did try, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I think that's the thing, is, is, putting, is putting pressure on the Wanderers' back four, because I, I don't think... I don't think they're set. I don't think they're, you know, as sold as sort of, you know... As sort of suggestion, I think that's what Sydney FC did well. They really, you know, put the pressure on, and in the end, they they bent basically. So yeah. maybe that's where it needs to be. I think the Raw have always been at their best when they are putting pressure yeah. on 
you know, putting on pressure and winning the ball in the opposition's half. And the last point I want to make is a play that we haven't actually discussed a whole lot, but Connor O'Toole, I kind of feel like he could play a pretty big role in this with his ability to get forward. We've seen him put in some phenomenal crosses, and if they can provide a little bit more cover for him going yeah. forward, then I think that could be really important, because if he can just bomb forward a little bit more, maybe get Christensen and or Papadopoulos there covering him a little bit more. I'm using gestures because that's yeah. what you want to do on an audio medium. Yeah, of course. But like, give him that cover so he can go forward and really try and put in a tr- like troublesome ball for the defence. Yeah, and again, also he was actually again pretty good on Saturday night. I know people talk about the own goal, that's just unlucky. I think yeah. that's literally the first thing that bad thing has happened to him in his raw career. Uh, and even so... Like, he was still quite good getting forward anyway on Saturday. Yeah, uh, that, but again, that was one of those things where he did everything right except for actually connecting with the ball. <laughs> so you can't really hold that against him because well, if he didn't put his foot out there, it was going to be a Perth goal anyway. Yeah, there was a player right behind him for a tap-in. Yeah, so, so um, from what I could tell, he you know, launched it into the roof of the net. So it was just a little bit off. Yeah. Maybe. The other end would be a great finish too. Yeah, exactly. So we at least know he can put the ball yeah. in the net. Yeah, oh, look, uh, I don't... Raw left-backs like to score again. Sorry, Adam. No, you're right. Yeah. No, look, um, at, the end of, at the end of the day, you know, that's the, as you said, it, the own goal, and that was, it was unfortunate, yeah. but you can't really give much blame. Like I said, it's, it's, it's oh, an people easy... people have tried, don't worry. Oh, yeah, oh, look, yeah. No, and that's they, why I brought it up, so we need to... Oh, look, and that's... And also as make well, sure like people realise it wasn't his fault. And those uh, that criticised him were also very quick to point out he was at fault for the um, Mariners' goal at Suncorp in round one. So, but look, he's... But like, that, he's, he's a young well, player. He he's he's going to... He's going he's gonna to learn if these things are going to happen, but look, at the moment, he's the undisputed... Well, I wouldn't say undisputed, but he's, he's the left-back of choice at the moment. And that's the thing, like with that style of fullback that he is, he is going to want to get forward. So, I if, think he was told to get yeah. forward. We talked yeah. about this. I mean, he was told to get forward that day as well. So I don't even think that was his fault. And if he wants to get forward, then clearly there needs to be some sort of tactical instruction to say, "Hey, our left fullback's fifty yards upfield." But hmm. we've seen that with Corey Brown. We've seen it with Shane Stefanudo. With yeah. like those fullbacks, they do get forward, and you need to make sure that you've got someone there to provide a little bit of cover. Spe- especially with Jack Hingard, you know, sort of bombing on down the other side as well. So and actually. Like, to me, that's the best argument for Matt Mackay because when he's running, he can actually make that uh, cover as well. I don't know. That's just me. All right. Let's wrap this up. What do you say? Okay. Okay. So, what's going to happen this Saturday, Adam? Look, I think it's going to be a draw. A draw sounds about right, actually. I'm thinking I'm thinking it's going to be over three and a half goals. I think it's going to be a high-scoring encounter, and I would not be surprised if it finishes 2-2. Yeah. But we're not actually recording predictions this year, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> no, you're on record now to yeah. all. Yes, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to remember that as well because yeah. I think I've still got to do an A League preview. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's gonna be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Scott, Adam, thank you. Good to see you again, yeah. James. Adam, thank you. Thanks everyone for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Now, if you don't mind, I'm gonna go lie down. Yes, you should. Yeah. All right, uh, enjoy the football this weekend. Go Raw, go Matildas, and we'll talk to you next week.